What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Tuesday, Dallas Cowboys fans. Welcome to the Blogging the Boys Roundtable. It is Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, which means it's time for a Blogging the Boys Roundtable. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me from all throughout the Blogging the Boys universe. I have five gentle, uh, some would say aggressive BTBers with me this particular evening. Going in clockwise order, we have from the first and 10 podcast, the reigning Blog of the Boys Roundtable champion. It is the one and only Anthony Catalina. Mark, I know this is your first roundtable of the season with us here. We have a little bit of a new format, uh, totally objective, totally real, um, totally uh, legitimate. Mark Lane from Monday's Hidden Yardage on the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network joining us tonight as well, competing for his first BTB roundtable crown of the season. Aiden Davis, who you can also hear on Mondays. These guys like the first day of the week around here. Um, Aiden is one of our fantastic authors over at blogontheboys.com. He chose to go to the worst institution in Texas for higher learning, but that is his lone demerit. David Howman uh, chose an institution of fine education, Arizona State. Uh, Shout out to Brock Osweiler, of course, uh, joining us, uh, a fellow BTB roundtable champion, although coming back for that crown, got to pull it back from uh, from Tony Catalina and just making it in uh, by by the hair on his chinny chin chin, fighting off the the internet gremlins. It is Brandon Clements, who you know from blogontheboys.com. Brandon, I start with with you a uh, bit of a hectic you know kind of last second rush to get in here and get set for the blog and the boys roundtable yeah tell me about it every time i try to connect the last two weeks it's just been it's been crazy you know i went from going with my wi-fi last week to even going out to the local store and buying an ethernet cable and apparently that doesn't work either so here i am on my iphone tonight Mm, big plug for iPhone. Shout out uh, to Apple. They need uh, all the promotion that they can yeah, get, right. certainly. Um, let's see here. Uh, we have some commenters who were upset that we took a, a little bit of time to get here, Mark. Joey Stewart says, are we on? Then he specifically told me to say something. I believe Blue365 said that I lose points for starting late. Uh, Mark, I am the person who assigns the points. Like I said, I know it's your first roundtable of the season. Everyone gets a chance to earn points. The crowd can award you points a maximum of five at a time. Uh, we do have a duel though mark again just so you're caught up and, and brandon's ready uh, our other guests i know brandon w- was here last week but we had some internet issues then uh if you want mark if you disagree with a statement from a, a fellow roundtabler um you can duel them for a maximum uh, amount of points as far as it, it's a difficult way to explain it but you can duel them for a lot of points it's basically um the, the ultimate point that sounds good to me i did win the first one of the off season though when we started the points though you did uh, so i mean Different thing. You know, that's like saying, yeah, you know, we won the Super Bowl in OTAs. I mean, so, you know. That's so. right. I am the AFPW champion from 1925. That's really uh, what matters the most. The Dark Knight likes my shirt. Uh, so um, an appropriate thing. Uh, DeLunatic joining us and says, uh, Cowboys Nation, uh, what's up? Huzzah says, bring the dub, TC. I think that's you, Tony Catalina. So, Tony, you're ready to defend your crown, I presume? Yeah, I'm ready to take it. I think I can go back to back. Um. That's really doubtful. Uh, but, um, okay, Tony, I want you to pick who's going to start tonight. 
pick without the, the question. I mean, the crowd knows the question from the title of the video and everything like that. Whoever's watching this live, whoever's watching after, it doesn't get to have as much fun, whoever's listening after. But Tony, pick which round tabler is going to get the party started. I think I'm going to go with Mark. Mark it, Mark's always a, a man of wisdom, and I think I'm going to let him kick it off. Mark, are you intimidated or flattered? Uh, I'm f- intimidated because, you know, that's a standard that you have to live up to. So you got to win every day. Uh, well said. Okay, Mark, the, the main question for the night, we're going to spend the most ti- amount of time on this. Are the Cowboys handling left guard properly uh this position has long you know seemingly belonged to tyler smith but you know you got to earn the star you, you don't just come into the nfl and get to start right away you only get to come out of the television booth and start right away on the dallas cowboys if you're a rookie it doesn't work uh but you know tyler smith connor mcgovern kind of i don't you know however you feel this this competition's going um should the cowboys outright declare tyler smith the winner should they give him all the snaps they can get should they let tyler smith play some left tackle the floor is yours mark lane I think that they should go with whoever wins the competition because it's all about the team relative to how they handled left guard, you know, in the book Jurassic Park. Ian Malcolm was really a lot more elaborate than the movie version. And the way he explained chaos theory is that basically how it begins is how it goes. So when you go back to the offseason and Dallas says, all right, Connor Williams, go test free agency. Kick rocks. Yeah, we're going to do what we want at left guard. Then they kind of put themselves in a position where they were reacting and they felt like they needed uh, blue chip talent when maybe they should have just said, you know what, it's McGovern's job and we're going to roll with it because I think their philosophy this year is kind of maybe win now, as we say on um, Hidden Yardage, which which comes out on Mondays. So they maybe should have just gone with Connor McGovern. But now that you've got Tyler Smith, you do need him to go earn it and know that the Cowboy way isn't just a an entitlement, that you do have to go out and get your starting job. And in doing so, then you really know how good he can be. Similarly, if he does win the job for week one, week two, they can't be afraid to then make him sit. You'd do the same thing for a rookie quarterback, wouldn't you, if he start off 0-3? Wouldn't you have the veteran come in there for the good of the team? They better not be afraid to do that should he uh, slump in September. So then you're a fan, just to, to categorize this, of keeping it a competition. You're, you're not you're you know you're not of the mindset that some people are. Just give it a Tyler. Quit wasting time. Quit prolonging the inevitable. No, because what I need is for the left side of the offensive line to be able to execute combo blocks to open up running lanes for Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And whether that's Tyler Smith or Connor McGovern or Dalton Risner, if they trade for him with the Broncos, let's say, then that's what I want is what's good for the team. Aiden, um, interesting question from the lunatics is they say, did McCarthy do this with CD Diggs or Micah? Just name him the starter. You make him look like a question mark pick. If you don't, do you agree with that point that, that maybe this is being made too much of a ceremonial thing that, that and it wasn't done with other first round players, other notable players. Um, that's the first part of the question. And the second part is, uh, does it make him look like a question mark in your opinion? If they don't do that, I disagree with that personally, but go ahead. No, I don't think – I think that there's a key difference between the Micah, CD, and Diggs pick than the Tyler Smith pick, and that's 
there wasn't there wasn't any competition for Micah. He was going to start week one. CD was at least going to be the wide receiver two starting week one. And Diggs, he was at that point was messing with a secondary that didn't really have a lot of name talent. I think the difference is now is McGovern's an actual opponent to Tyler. Like he could still be the best left guard. Like Connor McGovern could be the best left guard on the roster. We just don't know. I think that in terms of what I want McCarthy to do, like we can't see in terms of rep after rep, how Tyler Smith is doing. So I'm in Mark's boat to where I want the best player to be playing with the first team right now, because I do think just like every other position on the field, it's really helpful for the first team to be getting reps together and be, start forming that chemistry now, especially with the amount that we saw the offensive line shuffle last year. So if right now, if they're really actually unsure about left guard, yeah, I mean, keep it a 50-50 split or a competition. And eventually you have to decide soon, though, because they have to start forming chemistry at some point. Tony, um, do you agree that Connor McGovern presents a legitimate threat to Tyler Smith to start immediately? Uh, you know... I don't think it's in the Cowboys' best interest. I think the Cowboys ultimately are going to put their stock in Tyler Smith, who was their first-round draft pick. Um, I think Conor McGovern has you know, some starting ability. Is that left guard, right guard? I think most people would believe that he's just a better natural right guard compared to left guard. But I guess there is a, a competition there. I don't know if it's legitimate. It could just be semantics at this time. But I guess until proven otherwise, I guess it is a legitimate competition. Halman, um, some pessimists would say that if Tyler Smith is not starting right away, the pick is maybe not a failure, uh, but that it it was a failure to capitalize on the win-now window that exists with this team. We've obviously thrown a lot of demerits at, at the front office for, for failing to, to capitalize on that disposition before. Um, would, would you share that sentiment if that were true? If Tyler Smith were not starting week one, would you feel like that was maybe not the the best you or best usage of that particular draft pick for this particular season given all the circumstances involved i would definitely agree with that because you know your first round pick is you know that's where you're more than likely going to get your your highest impact player and there were a bunch of other players on the board that we've all talked about we would have we would have wanted because people didn't love the tyler smith pick uh my issue though is and aiden kind of hinted at it is you need to make the decision sooner rather than later so that your offensive line can get that continuity with each other. So that, you know, we've talked about Tyler Biotish has, you know, struggled at times. He needs to be able to be comfortable with the guy playing next to him. Um, we need somebody who's going to be comfortable playing next to Tyron Smith. Uh, and then also whenever Tyron ends up missing a few games, that left guard needs to already be comfortable. So, you know, the, the clock's ticking and we're only getting closer to the start of the regular season. And, if, if there was some like huge discrepancy between Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern up to this point, then I could understand still going with the competition to this point. But we really haven't seen that. They've both looked good in camp. Smith has had some pretty good highlights in camp. He looked good in the preseason game. Um, I just really don't see what else he has to do to really earn this job aside from whatever criteria the coaching staff seems to think they have. And I think at this point they're just dragging it out and they need to, they need to make the decision for the, for the better of their offensive line and the cohesiveness along that front. 
So first of all, the title and the description of this video initially said left tackle. We fixed that. So um, that was Tony's fault. Um, so apologies uh, on behalf of him to everybody. We're talking about the left guard position, although it all does ultimately kind of ripple together. And in that sense, Brandon, um, I think we would all be a little bit more understanding if the reason for Connor McGovern's presence as a starter at left guard, again, ceremonial or not, was because Tyler Smith was getting work at left tackle, right? Like we'd be able to kind of stomach this a little bit easier. Like, okay, well, you're clearly trying to prepare, you know, for the event of Tyron missing time, but there isn't even that long game in place. Um, so, so is this just kind of swirling in the distance again? We're not saying the Cowboys are, are morons or anything like that, but this, this does feel a bit aimless. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And, and the issue that I have is, which is which concerns me, is if Tyler Smith can't beat out Connor McGovern at least to this point, where they haven't named the starter, doesn't that get doesn't the, the bells and whistles start to go off a little bit? Because as a first round pick, I know you're, I know he's an initially or later on he's going to be with Tyrants taking over for Tyron Smith, but if you can't beat out Connor McGovern, who's been in the program for you know for a few years now, and I mean he's been okay, he's been serviceable. But at this point, if you're the first-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys this year, you should be walking into that left guard job, and you should have just you should have already had the job in hand. So that's the big issue, and I'm, that's a, that's concerning to me because as a first-round pick, the expectation is typically that you're going to come in and play right away. And now Connor McGovern seems like he's uh, he's he's battling hard to uh, you know to to get that job, which I do think Smith will uh, Tyler Smith will get the job eventually. I mean, I think it'll be a battle. Dallas if they don't start him at left guard but at the end of the day right now it, it's it's concerning that McGovern is is pushing this hard for the starting spot is there anybody and this is kind of an open floor question um who wants to see Tyler Smith get left tackle opportunities or I mean is there anybody who feels incredibly passionately against that and, and, and feels you know what like I just want Tyler Smith to acclimate to left guard for the inevitable possibility of Tyron Smith missing time, um, I want Tyler Smith to be ready to roll at left guard, whether it be Josh Ball or whatever would be veteran that is not on the team currently is is, is helping him out. Like, who, how does anybody feel about that? Because that, it's hard to talk out of both sides of your mouth and say, I want Tyler Smith to prepare for, for Tyron's eventual time missed, but I also want Tyler Smith to get all of the reps at left guard. I think right now I want him to to – narrow down the left guard position. I want him to become a master at that one spot, especially because coming out of college, he was, you know, everybody said he's really raw, but he's got tons of potential. Let him learn the left guard spot. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, you know, he's acclimating to it very well. It's not like he's looked helpless out there. Um, in the event that Tyron Smith misses time, if the swing tackle at that point is still Josh Ball and he's still looking like he has thus far through training camp, then I say yes, swing Tyler Smith out there because at least he has shown more in the in training camp and in preseason games to where I would trust him more, even though he hasn't played that position much. Um, but I kind of expect that the Cowboys will at some point bring someone in to challenge Josh Ball or, or oppose him. I mean, I have to agree with Howman. I think uh, eventually uh, – Tyler Smith's future may be the kick outside, but I think what's best for the Dallas Cowboys this year and probably best for Tyler Smith's development is to let him lock in and win that left guard job. You know, let him stay there, get those reps there. And I do believe I'm with Tommy. With, I think they need to bring somebody in for the swing tackle position. I think we've been saying that for a while now, but ultimately I think what's best for this 2022 season is to have Tyler Smith go out there, take command of the left guard position and feel comfortable there. If, you know, if this piece is that have to be moved around, then, then we'll talk about that when that comes to it. But I think, 
think the best way for this Cowboys to be successful, have a cohesive unit one through five on the front of the offensive line. And that starts with Tyler Smith winning the left guard job. We'll get to the swing tackle position in just a moment. Mark, Alex Storm asks, does anyone on the panel think that Tyler Smith has not looked better than McGovern so far? Even with the penalties, questionable as one was, Tyler Smith flagged for holding twice in the preseason opener against the Broncos. I mean, Mark, is it... I mean, is it like obvious that Connor McGovern is better? Like, you know, again, is or is it just the Cowboys trying to push that narrative because no, they want Tyler Smith to earn it? It's because the last two first, well, three first round offensive linemen that Dallas had took command of their starting jobs. Who was competing with Zach Martin for right guard in 2014? Who was competing with Travis Frederick for center? in 2013 i think it may have been phil costa who was competing with tyron smith in 2011 coming out of the lockout mind you um and they had training camp down in san antonio started everything up nfl operations in late july of 2011 and tyron smith's the right tackle um and bye bye mark colombo so i think that's it is Cowboys fans aren't accustomed to their first-round offensive linemen having to compete with a veteran who's been on the team who's a known commodity in Connor McGovern. And I think that's what's driving a lot of the consternation. But, you know, I think that if if you just locked in with Tyler Smith and you went with him, and just treat him like he did, say, a rookie quarterback. And it, it, when he stinks, you take him out and you put in Connor McGovern. And I know that there's the continuity element with it too. But so is there in running the offense when you, you know, you're swapping quarterbacks in and out. I think that they need to go with Tyler Smith and let him get those reps, sit him if you have to. And when that happens, when he's sitting, he'll be able to process, oh, that's what that means. And then when he gets back in, maybe he'll be better. Or maybe he'll just be one of those big fullbacks in the Hulk package. Um, Last thing on this before we move to swing tackle. Is there anybody who right now feels like the best move with the benefit of hindsight would have been to retain Connor Williams in free agency and spend that first round pick elsewhere? Absolutely. Thank you, Hamman. I I know I've I've spilled some ink at blogontheboys.com defending the name of Connor Williams. Does anybody agree? Aiden, are you are you defending your fellow Shorthorn? I agree with that to the extent that I'm. Who else would we have taken with the pick? Would would we have gone Linderbaum then? Like I would. Who feel else was on? That. Who else? Who else was on the board that like you're really like what like you're like you could then have the ability to take because like, when the Johnson. board. I mean, <laughs> well, if you play that out and then like, say they, you know, I, again, I'm not to, I love Jalen Tolbert, but they could have gone George Pickens in the second, right? Um, I mean, so, I mean, you, you could, you could design it differently if you want. Um, and I think we'd feel better. I think we'd feel a little bit better. I spe- at the very least, it wouldn't have this, like, who's going to start? Is Tyler going to earn it? Like, little thing, you know, bubbling up. Although, to Mark's point, there is some, some benefit to that. Um, okay. Uh, Next question. Um, lots. I'm not going to tell you the points tonight. All right? Everybody's got to live in mystery. Um, but uh, what is the next best move at swing tackle? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys decided, gentlemen, to 
go at this thing in 2022, knowing that Tyron Smith has missed time six straight years in a row. Uh, they decided to pin all of their hopes, Brandon, on two players in Josh Ball and Matt Walletsko with zero combined NFL experience. Um, lo and behold, here we are, one preseason game in, one of them's injured, the other one doesn't look great. So now we're all just kind of flying without a safety net, wondering what's going to happen if we don't grab the trapeze. Is that what we call it? The trapeze, whatever. Um, but, you know, like Robin in that awful Batman movie. But uh, still, uh, Brandon. This is a really terrible spot to be. It's maybe the most uneasy part of the team right now. Um, is the answer simply go get a veteran? And if that is the answer, why are they kind of dragging their feet on it? Honestly, I, I maybe maybe the plan for the, uh, for the Cowboys all along is uh, maybe they're going to you know wait for Tyron Smith to get hurt because it's inevitable, and maybe they'll kick Tyler Smith out to left tackle and slide McGovern into left guard. That's that's what I, you know. That's what I'm thinking at this point. But I do want to add, I would like to see, and I saw it from Hellman's article earlier today, I would like to see Brian Bulaga. I think that'd be a great pickup. I mean, he has the connection with Mike McCarthy. I think that would be I think that'd be a good addition to the team. The the only issue that I have is, is he willing to take a, a backup role at this? That's the that's the issue. So I mean that I mean there's plenty of guys on the market. I just feel like Dallas is kind of they're kind of just hanging tight with the guys they have currently and, and they're they're banking on Tyron Smith to play majority of the season, which that's a that's a pretty tough ask. But I also think they have in, in place that they want Tyler Smith to eventually, you know, even if you know if if, if Tyron Smith inevitably gets hurt this year, they're going to kick him out to left tackle and then slide McGovern in the left guard because McGovern can play left guard. So I mean that that that's where I think they're going. Halman, you wrote uh, your article today, six free agent tackle options for Cowboys to challenge Josh Ball. I don't think that any of them would challenge him as much as they would just smush him. Um, but uh, the names you listed, Ty and Secchi, uh, obviously that would be funny. Um, that would actually, I think that would be really frustrating. Like, I think people would be really frustrated if all they did was bring back Ty and Secchi. Uh, Nate Solder, Marcus Cannon, Eric Fisher, Brian Balaga, as Brandon mentioned, and Jason Peters. Uh, your favorite of the bunch and the percentage likelihood you would put on it actually happening? Well, my favorite of that bunch would definitely be Jason Peters because, you know, at his prime, he was one of the very best left tackles in the game. And last year, he joined the Bears. Um, out of free agency right about this same exact time in the timeline of, of the season. And he became their starting left tackle, and he actually had a really good year. He wasn't quite up to what we've expected from Jason Peters, but he was easily the best lineman for the Bears last year, which isn't saying a whole lot considering the other four starters on that line. But um, he played you know, much better than you expect for somebody who's going to be 40 at this, by the start of the season. Um, the likelihood of that... I definitely think that Peters and a lot of the other guys that are still out there and available are kind of holding out, looking for if there's any injuries or if there's any guys that uh, don't actually go out and win their starting job like the team expects them to, where he can join the team right before the start of the season and, and get a starting gig. Uh, I think that the Cowboys would be wise to monitor those players. And when we get to that point, if a situation like that hasn't opened up, they become a really great opportunity because you know that the likelihood is very good. You're going to actually play with Tyron Smith in there. Aiden, um, I would like you to, as best as you can, defend the Cowboys not bringing in a veteran to this point. I can't. Well, there's points on the line. <laughs> can, <I> mean... <laughs> can I at least, instead of defending that take that I don't believe in, can I at least throw out another free agent name that Howman hasn't listed? 
and give my plan. If somebody wants to come in and try to defend the Cowboys, there's double points available. I'll just I'll just say that. So uh, unless Aiden, you want to you know give it give it your all, Mark. Okay, I'll, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Can I try and give my all first? We'll come back to you, Aiden. Mark, defend the Cowboys as best you can, and then Aiden will fight back against that. Well, I need young guys like Matt Willetsko and Josh Ball to get as many first-team reps as possible to try to form some sort of continuity with those guards and so that I know what I have. Because when you look at a Brian Balaga, we know what he is because he's got connections to Mike McCarthy, Joe Philbin, James Campen, and so we, we know what we have there. You also figure that Ty Nasecki, you're monitoring the situation. Jason Peters, we know what he's got. He would want to come in and play for the Cowboys because he went to Queen City High School up in Northeast Texas, went to Arkansas, so he might want to come play for the hometown team. So we know what the veterans are out there. We don't need to be wasting camp reps on that, on a backup situation, when we could develop someone like Ball or Willetsko but let's go got injured and that's unfortunate. Uh, Kevin says not trying to defend it is worth five points. So Aiden, um, points for you from the audience. Uh, Mark did get double points for that, by the way, but Aiden, you did pick up five because this is an audience driven show um, and we will always do whatever the audience says. So uh, congratulations to both of you, I suppose. Um, Aiden, I, I mean, you, you very strongly argued against being able to even playfully defend that. So you must very, with a lot of conviction, believe that what the Cowboys are doing, how they're handling this is quite poor. Yeah, I mean, right now the Cowboys are relying on a injured fifth-round pick and a fourth-round pick to solidify that back that swing tackle position. And I mean, at, at when you're using when you're using that low of draft capital to solidify one of the most important positions on your team, I mean, that's those. Draft picks have such a low chance of working out in the first place that now completely pushing your chips in on them just seems like a horrible mistake that, honestly, the rest of us should have seen coming for miles now and we should have been writing about it all offseason. And some of us, I mean, I just, this is just a disaster that Jerry created. I just want to throw out my own name real quick because I want to get this in. Bobby Massey, to me, I think would come in and start for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm putting it at like a 2% chance that he actually joins the team because I think the Raiders are pushing to sign him right now. But if Jerry decides to get in on that conversation, Bobby Massey is only 33 years old. Three of the last four years, he's graded out above a 70, according to PFF. The Cowboys have two offensive linemen on their roster that graded out above a 70 last year, and that their names are Zach Martin and Terrence Smith. So I think Bobby Massey would come in, be the starter. You'd let Terrence Steele slide back to swing tackle. And I think you're in a significantly better position than you are right now. So, Tony, I saved you for last um, because on the latest episode of First and Ten, it was just you and Aiden this week. You kind of defended Josh Ball, or at least you, you weren't as willing to kind of, you know, attack the way that, that the rest of, of Cowboys fandom uh, seemingly is. You said, you know, he's still going to get better. He's still going to improve. Uh, you are one of our eternal optimists around here. And, it, you know, I could hear the chugging of Kool-Aid happening every time Aiden was speaking kind of opposite of him. Um, and so are you like not as panicked as anybody else? Because you've heard, I mean, Mark played the role of, of Stephen Jones and did so very well. Mark, congratulations to you. I think there's some, some one act play um, stuff in your future. But, uh, but Tony, I mean, like the, there are very, very few things that people agree upon, but one of them is that 
Josh Ball is a disaster waiting to happen behind the, not that Tyron Smith is a disaster, but his health is. I mean, and that we're all, you know, being led into this horrible trap. Um, but you have faith that Josh Ball can save them, seemingly. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ultimately, my where I'm, you know, positive on Josh Ball is his prospects moving in the future. I think I've seen enough so far this year to understand that Josh Ball isn't going to be able to help this team this season. Now, I think Josh Ball still, you know, like I said in the podcast on, on Monday, he may have a, a future in this league, right? He may be a swing tackle, a career swing tackle. He may be a journeyman offensive lineman. I'm not going to knock his prospects as far as his career going forward. But this season right now, I think we've seen enough through practice. I think we've seen enough through the first preseason game where for such a pivotal position, he's not the guy for the job this year. So, yes, I, I try to put a positive spin on the fact that <laughs> he's not buried as far as NFL career goes. But as far as 2022 goes, I'm absolutely not sold on Josh Ball being the swing tackle. Okay, and then – Aiden, sorry, Tony. Um, it will come back. We'll go reverse order here. Um, Tony – I mean, is this, is this the most frustrating thing that's going on with the team right now? Because there, there's a list. I, I, I don't know if you know that, but you could go swing tackle. You could go receiver. You could go kicker. I wrote, just so everybody knows, 1,200 words on the way the Cowboys have handled the backup quarterback position. Uh, that'll come out later this week at the site. But um, is that your number one? Our new question, going backwards uh, order here, what is your most frustrating thing in terms of what's happening with the team um and on a one to ten scale it's a two-part question how much of it is that how much of it is their fault i mean the the offensive line to me the swing tackle position is the number one issue right i, I think the kicker is pretty close because that's just malpractice to get to this point and to to, to have all their hopes on an undrafted guy who didn't make it out of the second week of training camp and then so, but for me, for this answer, I'm going to say it's a, it's a eight level. I'm on a side, I'm on a number eight level when it comes to my stress, how I feel about the offensive line and the swing tackle position. They didn't do enough. They didn't keep Lil Collins here. We know that whole story, but they just didn't do enough. They put themselves in this position. They, they took obvious strength positions like wide receiver and uh, offensive line and make them weaknesses. I mean, it's crazy what we thought about this team's position groups last year compared to this year. So one year it's night and day. All right, so um, you cannot pick something that somebody else has chosen. So everybody be mad at Tony had the easiest job. Brandon, sorry, uh, you're going last. Um, so it'll be a little bit difficult. Aiden, what are you most frustrated with? And on a 1 to 10 scale, how much of it is their fault? I was hoping to think during Mark's answer. Are we skipping over Mark? Well, Mark actually went before you. Uh, okay. So, you know. I, I, you've gotten a lot All of right. points from the crowd, but I'm going to dox them for not paying attention um, to the sequence that we're doing this in. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to give some of your points to Mark because you tried to throw him under the bus just now. But, Aiden, it is your turn. All right. Um, okay, so I do agree with Tony that I – the way You can't that agree. Handled... The whole point is you no, have to pick no, a new th- – No, oh. I'm giving my own. Aiden, okay. All right. <laughs> I do – I still want to give credit to my first and ten co-host. I think he picked the right answer. The second most frustrated thing for me this offseason has been kicker just because I think that there's a lot of ways that they could have addressed it other than just signing one undrafted free agent. There is a name that is now a free agent that was banging on about during the (laughs) NFL draft. I will not mention his name because I've said his name thousands of times. Anyway, there's a lot that they could have done. I was completely in favor of them using a fifth-round pick on a kicker this year, and they essentially would have had their pick of the litter 
They didn't do that. They waited until undrafted free agency. And now, I mean, I think it's getting to the point where kickers, if we thought Greg Zerline was bad, I think the kickers is kickers are really going to cost us this year and not just a PAT here or there, like consistent field goals missed. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, Mark, um, you're up next, even though Aiden tried to smite you. I'm really sorry about that. Um, you know, we, we preach love around here. And so Aiden, you know, just bringing some, some toxicness into the group. Um, but you, you've been really positive so far tonight, Mark, I would argue the most positive person who you just haven't, you know, um, you know, gone down the, you know, and you were playing the part of Steven Jones to be fair, Cam Kalanta, I might be mispronouncing, I'd be Kayanta says, uh, it's going to be a defensive loaded team. Offense is just going to have to be bare minimum. It is the year 2022. And obviously, you know, defense is all the rage, uh, in today's NFL. I've never seen a team want to be Rex Grossman's Chicago bears more than, uh, than this year's Dallas Cowboys. But Mark, um, what is, what thing are you most frustrated with? And, and on a one to 10 scale, how much of it is their fault? I would have to say I'm frustrated with the long snapper situation at an eight because, you know, when you're relying on Jake McQuaid just to – and even though he's got all this familiarity with John Fossil, you haven't really evaluated what else is out there. Take 05 when they had John Kondo as their long snapper and he was uh, not getting the ball down correctly to Romo and then Jose Cortez gets punched by Larry Allen because of it against the 49ers, so then they cut him, and then they bring in LP Laudasur, and it worked out well, but you don't have that. You're just relying entirely on Jake McQuaid, and what if he has a John Condo moment? Who's your LP Laudasur? You don't know because you haven't worked anybody out, so 8 out of 10, long snapper. Um, that was magnificent, um, Mark. Uh, I mean, and you know what? You 
you added more than I think any of us thought that you could, uh, or, you know, when it all first started. Halman, as I understand, it is thundering and storming in your neck of the woods. Um, so if uh, during Halman's answer, he just like cuts out, he's alive. Um, it's just, you know, the internet uh, is a situation. But Halman, uh, your answer, please. Yeah, well, the, the thing that I've been most frustrated with this, this offseason has been the seeming philosophical change to making this a run first offense again. And <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I've, I've harped on it before. I'm going to, but how many Zeke, Zeke is great. I mean, he had a thousand yards a year ago. Come on. Yeah. And if you establish the run enough, you know, if we run it 25 times every game, we're going to go undefeated. Um, so I, I just think this is such an outdated approach and it seems a lot of it is derived from the fact that they got beat by the run heavy 49ers in the playoffs. And it feels like they just said, well, the 49ers beat us, so let's just try to be the 49ers, even though we don't have the personnel. We have a significantly better quarterback. The Our offensive coordinator doesn't run the same type of offense as Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and because of this approach to a shifting to a run-first offense, they've seemed to decide that, well, receiver doesn't matter as much anymore because we're running the ball. So we'll trade Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick. We'll, uh, we'll let Cedric Wilson walk. We won't target receiver until the third round. Don't get me wrong. I love Jalen Tolbert. I think he's going to end up being great, but rookie receivers tend to have, you know, a long adjustment period. So you're looking at Dak Prescott really in the prime of his career and, and when you should be building the most talent around him and they're doing the exact opposite because they want to play like the one team that beat them in a season when they had so many other wins and had so many other things going right for them. It just doesn't make sense. And on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to give it 10 because it feels like they're tying both hands behind their back and trying to trying to win a game. Yeah, well, it's like, to your point, it's like they're tying both hands behind their back trying to win. So they could specifically say, hey, guys, we won with our hands tied behind our back. You know, they, they want like the credit and the affirmation for doing that. Uh, Todd Archer wrote, I mean, not that, you know, it, it wasn't. I loved what Todd wrote, but the, the idea was it was frustrating um, on Monday. Uh, at the title of the article was something like, the Cowboys are banking on Dak Prescott elevating inexperienced receivers. Why? Like, <laughs> why would you want to bank on that? Like, it, it, it's a silly thing to do. Um, Brandon, Halman kind of set you up for failure because he took like eight topics um, with his one. Uh, <laughs> so um, we, we've touched on all of that. We've touched on um, the long snapper situation. Uh, shout out to Mark Lane. Uh, we've touched on the kicker battle, and we've touched on swing tackle. So finally, Brandon, your answer, what situation, what thing are you most frustrated with, and uh, how much do you blame the team for it? Well, first and foremost, Mark, uh, good call on the long snapper. They, they do matter, you know, so uh, kudos to Mark on that. Um, honestly, you guys, you guys picked through uh, some of the ones that I really, I'm really frustrated with, but there's another one that you guys did not mention that's pretty frustrating, and it's the cornerbacks. The secondary itself has just been – Besides Deron Bland, who's a fifth-round pick this year, I mean, he's, he's looked pretty good so far. But you got a second-round pick in Calvin Joseph that he, I don't think he, he, he's not living up to the, you know, the second-round uh, you know, draft pick that he was last year. Nashawn Wright, same thing, is a third-round pick. You're giving, so you, you use the second-round pick and the third-round pick on guys that clearly have, are not able to cover at this point, and they're getting essentially outplayed by a guy who just came in as a fifth-rounder. So for me, that's the best, the big issue. And, and I, I don't want to say it's an eight or a nine. I would say it's more of a seven because you still have Trayvon Diggs. And at the end of the day, you still got Diggs. I still think he's going to have double-digit interceptions this year. So 
as long as we got Trayvon Diggs in there, I'll be okay. But we need some we need some help. That's that's the issue. And and maybe Deron Bland, uh, he he plays a, a bigger role this year than we thought. Tony, um, I want to turn to you because I don't, I don't, I don't dislike Dan Quinn by any means, but I feel like I don't love him the way other people love him. Like I hear and see the way you know a lot of other Cowboys fans kind of you know talk or speak about Dan Quinn, and I just don't feel like that impassioned about it. Um, and I think it's it's funny um, because you know people look at Tristan Hill and say, "Well, wow, we shouldn't," or, or talk with Charlton. Way to go, Rod. We let Rod Marinelli make this pick. That was so dumb. And then they turn around, Yo, back off Nashawn Wright. That was Dan Quinn's guy, all right? Dan Quinn knows what he's doing, people, all right? So, like, you know, we went from, like, don't let the defensive coordinator draft to, like, hey, Dan Quinn stood on the table for Nashawn Wright. Dan Quinn went down to Ole Miss and worked out Sam Williams, all right? You people don't know what you're talking about. Give Dan Quinn the benefit of the doubt. And to Brandon's point, you know, we've sat here and we've talked about how the secondary is very deep. But it's very deep because, you know, Deron Bland's kind of a new arrival to that mix. But it's deep because Anthony Brown's playing well. It's not deep because their premium draft picks from a year ago are playing well. They're not getting much out of Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright. And we could sit here and say they should have taken so-and-so at those two spots a year ago. But that's kind of not a good thing. I mean, two years in or on your second season, you should be getting contributions from those players. I mean, and Nashawn Wright was having a good camp at the very least. But Kelvin Joseph looks like a huge whiff at this point in time. Yeah, you kind of you said it there at the end. That was kind of the point I was going to drive home. You know, up until that preseason game, Nation Wright's stock was rising high through training camp. I think a lot of people felt he was the best second, you know, year cornerback out of the group. Kelvin Joseph, you're absolutely right, has been plummeting in stock. I think it's everything he dealt with. It's it's just not been a good off season. That's you know transition to a not very good training camp. You know, right now he may be the the fifth or the sixth best cornerback on this team, and that's really frustrating for a, a a guy that is talented, a second round pick, somebody that they invested you know some resources in, and they're trying to get the most out of him. Uh, but the Duran Bland thing is exciting. I think that's cool. The fact that he's going to come in, he's that's a Dan Quinn guy, right? I think the same way we feel about Nation Wright. And me and Aiden actually said it on Monday in our first and ten podcast, like. The first couple of drives, Nation Wright was physical. He was fast. He looked like he was confident. And then all of a sudden they started targeting him and it just it looked like it was just tough sledding for him. Now, does that one preseason game that how much stock do we really put in that anyway? Get redo or undo everything he's done the fresh the last two or three weeks that made people at camp feel good about him. Um, I'm still bullish on the on the cornerback position safety position as a group that secondary I think is going to be a strength of this team I think Nation Ray is going to figure it out I don't know where he's going to be or fit into this mix and if Deron Bland keeps um, you know rising that's that's another that's the fourth fifth cornerback on a team where I'm confident you know how you guys know how I feel about Anthony Brown I think Trayvon Diggs is gonna is gonna be just fine and Jordan Lewis is you know as much as we want to find a way to get him out of there he just holding you know holding steady at his position so uh you know it's I don't feel the same way that Brandon does about the cornerback position yes I want to see more development from the younger guys but I feel pretty good that that might be a strength of our team Aiden um last question then we'll move on um, we mentioned Halman's article today at bloggingtheboys.com. Connor Livesey had a 53-man roster prediction that dropped. He left out Kelvin Joseph. Um, and he mentioned, obviously, the off-the-field issues with Kelvin. Um, obviously, there's the fact that he hasn't played well to this point. Um, obviously, there are two more preseason games left, to, to be fair to the football process of it all. Um, do you think that's possible? I mean, do you think that's even remotely possible? And if it is even remotely possible, isn't that kind of, you know, depressing that you know not even before his second season we're talking about it being remotely possible that he's being released 
I mean, anything's possible. I just don't think... I think it's going to come down to how much do the Cowboys value CJ Goodwin because I think the only reason that you'd release Kelvin Joseph would be if you really, really want to keep CJ Goodwin for special teams. And I just, like, at that point, Kelvin Joseph can fill in on special teams. You can still see if he develops into something. But I, I, from, I know it wasn't a lot of snaps, but from the limited snaps I saw from Kelvin Joseph last season, I was really impressed and so now i think we're kind of letting one preseason game yes there were some other issues this offseason but i think we're letting one preseason game influence our opinion of him i'm still i still think he has the potential to come in and be a solid contributor opposite i mean we'll see how they decide to play it this year but i'm i'm still somewhat high on kelvin joseph this year uh kevin says joseph didn't look good in what little preseason he played last year either but when he played in a real game he played well to your point aiden uh he didn't give you points though so um you know no love for you from kevin uh mark our last subject of the night we start with you uh because you will surely send us down uh the most fun adventurous path uh for this choose your own adventure uh the cowboys set to scrimmage with the la chargers tomorrow and thursday how will we feel if the scrimmages don't go well because the scrimmage against the broncos didn't go great. I wouldn't say it went poorly, but there there was a lot of chatter that the Cowboys were were out physicaled, um, et cetera, et cetera. There were some nice moments. CD Lamb had some nice moments, whatever. But if if there's a clear disparity between the Cowboys and Chargers, how will we feel? I hate to go backwards because I always hate it when city councils do that. But what if Kelvin Joseph was playing well in the regular season games compared to preseason last year because He's out there with the first teamers, and they're telling him, no, you go here, no, line up here, and he doesn't have that benefit in the preseason games. I'm sorry. That's a fair I, point. Anyway. Okay, Mark, that's um, a fair but, point. All right, now bring us home. Land this plane. You got this. All right, so I think that it would be problematic if you're hearing the same reports about them getting – about them being a little too finesse, let's say, against the Chargers because – they have kind of banked their identity on being a defensive team, a physical team, one that cultivates takeaways and just intimidates with the run. So it would be problematic, but I think that I think that they'll find a way just to ease into the schedule. They were kind of out there in the altitude in Denver, so it took a little bit of getting used to now they're going back to Southern California where they've been since late July. So they may not have that same type of problem of physicality and now they're adapted. They're in a more comfortable environment. So I don't think they'll have as poor of a report coming out of joint practices against the chargers as they did against the Broncos. Brandon, um, there was a little bit of talk, obviously, about the altitude. Neville Gallimore spoke about that. Uh, but to Mark's point, that's not a factor anymore. Okay, it's not not the first action against another team anymore. Um, so if knowing all that, they are, again, there, there's just there's a clear difference. There's a, an identifiable difference between Dallas and Los Angeles. Will you start to panic is too aggressive of a way to put it, but will you start to feel like some of these concerns that we're having aren't just us being a little dramatic that they actually might be things that are really going to be problems week in and week out throughout the season. I'm honestly, honestly, if they do not perform well in the scrimmages against the Chargers, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sound the alarm. I'm not gonna panic. You, you guys can't be dramatic about it. I'm not gonna be dramatic about it. It's just scrimmages for me. That's just how I look at it. 
And plus, it's the LA Chargers. Last time I checked, Justin Herbert's pretty darn good. Mike Williams just signed a big contract. They still got Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler in there. And I think they got one of the Bosa boys over there uh, on the defensive side. So even if they don't play, uh, you know, too well in the scrimmage and the upcoming game here coming up, I'm not that concerned. It's it's still – we're still in the preseason. I, I will, I'll say this. I think, I think the Chargers are going to be one of the top teams in the AFC this year. So even if they don't look that great, it's, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Okay. All right. Tony, um, like I said, you are a, a pretty positive Dallas Cowboys fan, but you also are like chicken little in that like the first sign of rain, you are like really, you know, like if there's someone sounding the alarm and I mean like the big, like massive one that you've got to turn like on the farm, like let all the animals know to come in, it's you. Um, will you freak out to, to any degree, even a mild degree, if it doesn't go well this week? I mean, if it's back-to-back weeks, I mean, that's more than just a one-off, right? So it's a little concerning if they come out there, look flat, and don't really kind of go out there and play well, especially they're selling us that these training camp practices with these other teams are more important than the preseason games, where the ones, this is where the ones are going to get their best work, and that we're not going to put them in harm's way in a preseason game. So if you're going to have your ones versus your ones go out there, and you're telling us this is what the best that you're going to get for this week's practice, so let's make the most of it, and you go out there and get curb stomped, that's that's not a great feeling. Now, I'm not going to overreact and say that, you know, because – uh, C.D. Lamb doesn't carve up J.C. Jackson and, you know, Terrence Steele is having a little bit of trouble with Joey Bosa. Like, I'm not going to freak out. Those are quality, high-level players at their practice facility. They're probably a little more comfortable. There's adjustments there. All I really want to see is for them to go out there and just put some good put a good day together. That's it. I mean, you're good plays, good reps. Like I'm not trying to get Jason Garrett about it here, but I'm just looking for mm. 1% better. You know, like I just want to see them go out there and have two quality days of work. I don't want to see the fights. I don't want to see the, the nonsense. Just go out there and just get better. That's it. All right. Really awful answer from Tony. Uh, Halman, what would lead to panic then? Like we've had, we've heard three answers so far. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm good. I'm whatever, blah, blah, enough. All right. Like what, what would be concerning at the very least if, if this did or did not happen, you would say, okay, you know what? Yeah. That's, you know, that's a real thing. Well, I think it, it would be cause for panic if they do struggle against the chargers in this scrimmage. So I'll go ahead and say that would be the thing. Good that, for you, Halman. All right. Let's party. Keep going. Um, obviously the, the, the best answer uh, worst in this case would be if somebody gets hurt, uh, if sure. a key player gets hurt, that's always true. Um, but I'm going to be really concerned if they struggle against the chargers, because when I look at the chargers, they are pretty much the epitome of where the NFL is heading right now. In terms of its trends, they run a very pass heavy offense. Justin Herbert is an incredible quarterback. Um, defensively, they, they run the, uh, the split safety defense with a lot of split safety looks. That's where all of these defenses are trending towards right now, especially um, when you've got quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Dak struggled against it at times last year. Um, Brandon Staley is a very analytically minded uh, head coach, and he infuses that into the core of this team. So when you're talking about some of the best teams in the NFL, in the, in the NFC, the teams that the Cowboys would face in the playoffs – it's going to be a lot of teams that will look similar in some way to this Chargers team. Um, so, you know, we I, I've talked in the past about how the NFC East is such a cupcake division right now. And I think that was to the detriment of the Cowboys because they didn't have to play as many tough teams and get experience playing tougher teams like the 49ers. Uh, so going up against a team like the Chargers, if they struggle against that, 
to me, that's going to suggest that they'll continue to struggle against those teams when they do face them in the regular season and the playoffs, which is what they need to overcome. Mm. I think that's really well said, um, particularly how the Chargers are kind of this this barometer for today's NFL and whatnot. Um, I thought your point earlier, by the way, Hamid, about how the 49ers being the team they lost to might be impactful. It makes you wonder, what if what if they'd won that game in Week 18 and Dallas had drawn L.A. in the playoffs? And even if they'd lost to them, um, what would their offseason have looked like? Would they have tried to, to model Sean McVay? I think we, you know, I don't want to think about that. It's really sad and really devastating. Um, Aiden, uh, your family roots for L.A. teams. Um, I don't think anybody roots for the Chargers. I know you're, you've got a lot of Rams uh, supporters in that you know household of yours. Um, but... Um, how would you feel? I mean, or, or rather, no, how would you feel? How would you feel? But I do I do want to say that if the Cowboys perform well, I think that like the there's a, a match waiting to light a fire. A, a lot of people saying, wow, the Cowboys just went out and had their way with the Chargers. Everybody thinks they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. I mean, I, I think that if there's any dramatic result, it's in a positive way if the Cowboys do perform well. But your thoughts overall? I'm going into this incredibly scared because – Here's the way I'm looking at it right now. I'm throwing aside the defense. I'm you. We can debate that if you want, but I'm confident that the, the defense is going to be just fine this year, and I think they'll be a top ten squad again. If this offense struggles against the Chargers, like they struggled against the Broncos, we all saw the tweet where the Cowboys scored one touchdown, and the Broncos apparently scored multiple touchdowns during the practice. This is first teamers. If the offense comes out and struggles against the Chargers, which I think is a real possibility, that's where I'm going to start to get scared. Once a, I'm already scared about the offensive line, but that's where I'm going to start to believe that this these couple pieces on the offensive line are going to completely derail the season because the Chargers have Vaughn Miller, Joey Bosa. They have good defensive tackles with uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. They have a good defensive line, and if our offense struggles, it's going to because our it's going to be because of our offensive line is getting pummeled, and that's going to panic me to the point of I'm not going to give up on the season, but I'm going to start to get really terrified about the season. So I think this week really matters. I don't think it's just scrimmages. You're now playing for you're now playing for something, and if anybody wants to debate me, I'd be willing to push all my points in for a one v one. RJ, I actually want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. In 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 Aiden's scenario here, right? Let's say because I've kind of said this and I presented this. If they go out there and this offensive line plays really bad again for two straight weeks, is this? And you can you're you're not afraid to tell me I'm an idiot when I say something dumb. So I'm I'm definitely not afraid. Okay, exactly. So would this not be viewed as some type of uh, like a blessing in disguise? Because then it would force the hand. If they're going to go out there two weeks in a row and just get absolutely beat down by defensive lines and understand the offense line is an issue, it might force the hand. If they're going to sit here and tell us that winning is the most important thing and you go out there and prove it two weeks in a row that your offensive line just is not a winning group, do they have to make that decision? And do you think that's something that may happen? Um, so I heard, I know you made this point a little bit about Josh Ball and the line in general on first and 10. Um, and I, I think like in a in a logical world, right? Like in, in a world of reason and like where, you know, where what goes up comes down and you know what I mean? Like like, you know, people drive on green and stop on red. Like, yes, I would agree with you. But wouldn't you say that like, well, the James Washington injury 
may have been a blessing in disguise. It may have forced them to realize, crap, we have to go out and get another veteran wide receiver right now because we're down another body. They didn't. Wouldn't you think that the Matt, well, let's go injury would have said, crap, we were counting on this dude competing with Josh Ball to be the primary swing tackle on this team. You know, we have to go get somebody else. We just have to. We have to have another body. They didn't. I mean, so... I mean, to that point, like, just kind of like what walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, these are some ducks. And and so, like, I don't think that, like, a third strike would make them feel like, you know, the, the temperature is getting any hotter. We, we've seen the blessings in disguise happen already, and they seem totally content to just ride it out. I think... I think they would compartmentalize it and, and tell themselves whatever they want to get through it that, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a scrimmage. It's just whatever. The Chargers are this really good team. We shouldn't worry about it. They have Joey Bosa. You know, we're not going up against Joey Bosa every week. We're going up against, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. We're going to be totally fine. He's not on that level yet. Like, they'll, they will lie and, and deceive themselves into whatever truth they ultimately want to believe. I mean, I, I told you a few weeks ago, they are George Costanza. It's not a lie because they believe it. They really believe in, in what they're doing. It's crazy. But I mean, and, and we all might be wrong. Like, I would love nothing more than to sit here in February and be like, holy crap, like thousands of people were so wrong about this and they were right. Give them their flowers. They earned it. But um, so I know I answered yes and no to your question. And that feels like cheating. But I, I think that that truly is the answer. Mark, you have a point. I think their solution at tackle, swing tackle, let's say, is something that Bill Parcell said in 2005 when Flo Don't even Zalata, have the date, Mark. What? Disappointed. What? You don't even have the date that he said it. I'm disappointed in you. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it was, it was actually um, part of the production meeting that the NFL on CBS did heading into the Chiefs game. Um, I think it was week 14. Uh, and they, he said, because they were starting rookie sixth rounder Rob Petiti at right tackle, Torn Tucker at left tackle, because Flozell Adams blew out his ACL in about week six against the Giants. And so Parcells was saying, you can hide tackle, it's hard to hide two. And I think that's what their strategy is going to be at left tackle. I mean, at swing tackle is okay. When Tyron Smith has to miss time, which is inevitable, we feel like we got competent enough tight ends with Dalton Schultz, Sean McKeon, um, Jeremy Sprinkle, that we can hide whatever we're rolling out there for three games for Tyron Smith. So, and I, I, that's not a Super Bowl winning strategy though. But it's an NFC East winning strategy to get to 2023 when you can really put all your pie on the plates and go compete for something. I agree with everything you said, Mark. And again, like like the Todd Archer article I mentioned, the you know, oh, like the Cowboys are banking on Dak Prescott elevating and experienced receivers. He can, right? Like I'm not saying he's incapable of it, but why do it? Like, what, like why, why would you do that, you know, when you don't have to? It's it's a, it's a silly way to live. I want to get back to Aiden's challenge. Uh, so I will tell you all, Aiden is our winner unless somebody uh, – I'm know, taking back the challenge. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> Aiden is our winner, and his assertion um, was that if the Cowboys offense struggles throughout the scrimmages, he's going to be panicked on this group. If anybody wants to duel him they, and they win – they win the round table. Now, uh, lay out on the rules. You would have to directly oppose Aiden's point. You would have to make it. Aiden would have a chance to rebut. And then the round tablers, who are not the two of you, decide collectively who wins. I'm not involved in that at this point. So this is truly a uh, – this is Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, flipping the coin toss, first Super Bowl to ever to go to overtime sort of situation. Ironically, Dan Quinn was there as well. Um, anybody brave enough here? Me. 
All right, Mark, you were the first. Um, so, Aiden, can you please state your point simply so that Mark can buff back against it? Yeah, I just think that what we've seen for too long is the offense not showing signs of life. And over the back half of last, from starting from week eight of last year, the only thing the Cowboys have done is disappoint on offense. And now they're relying on Dak Prescott to get healthy. They're relying on Ezekiel to get healthy. And that's the only chips that they push in the offense this season. And so now there's, to me, there's no reason to have hope that the offense is going to improve. And if they come out and struggle against the Chargers again, especially on the offensive line, which we all expect, I think this there's reason to get really panicked that what we see on the offensive line is going to have really was, bad effects on the season. That was supposed to be simply put. Uh, Mark, <laughs> your turn to offer a rebuttal. Right. Well, that's if you're asking an offense to go, you know, 80, 85 yards every drive. What I'm asking is an offense to that just got a ta- benefit from the takeaway that the defense got. So it's first and 10 in the opponent's 45-yard line, and I just need to go put points on the board. So they're not banking so much on Dak Prescott in the receiving core. They're banking on Dan Quinn and the defense to repeat basically that Showtime Lakers defense that they had last year, according to Everson Wall, that's what he called it. They're banking on all of these takeaways that Trayvon Diggs was able to get. Micah Parsons in year two is going to be, you know, next level compared to what he did his rookie year. Throw in Anthony Barr, and now you've got a few more pieces. So I think they're really counting on the defense to be the deodorant for the stink that's going to be the offense through the first month, month and a half of the season and then by November the offense will have enough continuity Dak with the receivers and then Tyler Smith or maybe even uh, Connor McGovern at left guard that then they can go out and beat all of those other teams that aren't as ferocious as those first five on their schedule and then they can go win the NFC East okay the challenge has been given Aiden you now have an opportunity to protect your point that was you actually invited a duel against um so a little bit more unique of a duel than usual um but we've kind of made up the rules as we've gone along uh somebody will join Halman as a duel winner in mere moments Aiden the floor is yours well so uh, once I want to clarify my point for uh, you can't clarify the point you already no 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 for Miguel in the comments I'm not talking I'm not saying the preseason game matters I'm talking about the practice scrimmages of what we're seeing from the offense this week those matter and I completely agree with everything you just said Mark but the entire argument was that the team is relying on the defense to generate turnovers and they very well might be Steven and Jerry might assume that if anything, they're going to exceed the takeaways because you get a year three Trayvon Diggs who's going to have 50 interceptions this year. That's not, we all know, all six of us know that the turnovers are not going to come as easy this year and we're going to see turnover regression. That is That only bodes even worse for the offense because Dak's not going to be set up at the 40, 30 yard line with only 30 yards to go. This offense, they're going to have to march down the length of a field a heck of a lot more than they had to do last season. And if the offensive line's playing worse and they're just getting bullied on a consistent weekly basis, that's, I mean, that's not a winning recipe. And so what I think, if we see the offensive line getting bullied against a good Chargers defensive line, that's where I'm going to start believing. 
Did Aiden did Aiden's audio cut out for anybody else or just me? He cut out. UT yeah. technology. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was super. Aiden, I don't know if you know that, but your audio cut out uh, <laughs> as you were making your point. Uh, you're now frozen. Oh uh, no, you're not frozen anymore. I don't know. Maybe you want to check your microphone if that uh, came unplugged or something. Um, it was it was great. I mean, like it was. I feel like you're at a movie theater and it just like cuts out, um, like in the big fight scene or something. Um, Aiden, are you are you there? Do you want to try speaking again? You don't want to try speaking again, or okay, I can hear now. Okay, all right, go ahead. So your audio had <laughs> cut did out. Where I cut off? Um, I mean, it was really passionate. It was kind of hard to identify the exact point. It was, of course, the ad. It seemed like yeah, it, you you were, you know, last was... five or six seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were almost making the full point, Aiden. Okay. I just think he was give just us, about give us, to give say us one one last. Or oh, go ahead, Hammond. I think he was just about to say that the Cowboys need to sign Cameron Dicker. Right. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Aiden, one last sentence and then we'll vote. Just one uh, sentence. That's all you get. If the offensive line struggles against the Chargers, there should be no reason to have faith that the offense is going to be better than last season. Okay. Um, so we're going to have the three of you, Howman, Tony, and Brandon, vote in order of point standings. As mentioned, Aiden would have won this if we hadn't had the duel. Howman, you have the most points of the three of you with 21. Uh, Brandon, you have the second most with 19. Tony, you were actually tied for last with Mark. So Mark wisely challenged uh, here. We went all for nothing. I really respect the strategy. You have 18. So Howman, your vote, who wins the duel? And subsequently, more importantly, who wins the roundtable? Um, I'm going to give my vote to Aiden. He was pretty much speaking my uh, speaking my love language there. And I'm a big believer in turnover regression. And I think that uh, if the team's relying on that, it's a bad strategy, but something we've come to expect from them at this point. Okay. All right. It's really dramatic. I'm still actually kind of nervous here. Um, Tony, uh, or no, Tony, you're last. Sorry. I uh, forget that I mentioned you. Brandon, your vote. If you vote Aiden, he wins. And not only wins, he wins with a record amount of winning points here on the round table because nobody's ever had what would be 43 points because he would inherit all of Mark's. Aiden, you, you had you had my vote until towards the <sighs> end where, where the turnover regression, ha uh, where you mentioned the turnover regression. I can't, I, I can't stick with that because I think the front seven this year is much better. I think Sam Williams is going to have a great year. And now you got Anthony Barr in, you know, in coming in to help out with Micah Parsons, keeping him fresh to go after the uh, the quarterback. I mean, to me, it's good. There's going to be more turnovers this year. I think you're going to see a few more uh, strip sacks uh, this year. And I still think uh, Trayvon Diggs is going to get uh, double digit picks. So uh, I got to go with Mark on this one. I think defense still wins championships. And I think it's a, a good strategy for Dallas going forward. Worst case scenario. I know I get accused of like stirring the pot around here. This is all totally organic. I'm loving this. I'm living for this moment. I love reality television. Ivor, Big Brother, The Challenge on MTV. It's all my jam. So, Tony, you are literally casting the most important vote in the history of Blogging the Boys roundtables. Appropriately, amazingly, poetically, you are the reigning Blogging the Boys roundtable champion. You literally get to pageant style put the crown on the next winner. So, who wins the night? Who wins everything? Tony Catalina, make it epic. You know, Mark makes great points. Ada makes a great point. At the end of the day, I totally, totally 100% agree with Aiden Davis. And the reason why I say that is because to, to, to expect this defense to be at the same level 
and to or be better would ignore analytics. It would it would ignore the fact that what Trayvon Diggs did for the first time in what 30, 40 years to have that many interceptions to repeat that. To have Mike, you know, to have Micah Parsons be as good as he was his first year. Like like Mike McCarthy even said, his statistics may not be as good, but he may have a better impact, which is totally fine. But this defense is gonna naturally regress to the mean a little bit, even a little bit, right? This offense, they've done nothing to help it, right? If if they go out there and they have two back bad weeks, you know, one time, one off, you can you can do the one off, right? It's totally fine. You can have a bad, you'll go be, you know, sluggish against Denver in the in the in the high altitude. You go back to back weeks getting getting beat up by two different opponents. I think that's a red flag, and I think that's something to be concerned about. So I think I need it. I don't care, like the mention, like the commenter said doesn't matter in the preseason game. We need to see a good Wednesday. We need to see a good Thursday. And the Cowboys need to go out there and not dominate the charges, but they need to look good. They need to look efficient. And we need to get uh, stepping in the right direction. Aiden, Tony said all those words and didn't say the word congratulations. Congratulations to you, <laughs> Aiden Davis, the winner of today's roundtable. Mark, seriously, well done. I mean, just adding a lot of theatrics to the end. Uh, braver than anybody else, honestly. Nobody else took Aiden up on the challenge, even knowing it was it was hand him the win or not. I respect the hell out of that, Mark. Aiden, you are our champion. A record number of 43 points. Nobody has ever had that many uh, in a roundtable win. How are you feeling? Uh, what, are, what are the vibes? Uh, what color is the confetti that's raining down in your house? I'm just glad I'm scoring points because based off what I'm saying, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be doing a whole lot of Whoa! that this year. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm not even a negative guy. I don't even know where this is coming from. I'm not, an, I still have hope in this season. So I know it might have came across as very negative and I might be upset in the moment, but I don't lose faith, y'all. This was, I mean, this was epic, um, to, to be frank. Um, uh, Kevin offered, by the way, five more points. Uh, it is, we're past the point of that, uh, no pun intended. Um, the lunatic, by the way, and says that your only regret is that you can't watch yourself live. Um, so maybe go back and catch the rewatch like a lot of other people. Mark, um, I normally don't offer the you know, the, the main loser uh, of the roundtable, not in life, uh, uh, an opportunity to speak. But you did so valiantly, you know, go down to the very end. Uh, I mean, seriously, what, what a hero. Uh, Tony Romo at the goal line, extra point, snap bobbled. Martin Gramatica couldn't throw a block. How are you feeling knowing that you laid everything out on the line tonight? Well, you just have to be willing to... Except that you gave it your all, turn the page, and get back to the basics and start stacking good days on top of good days. I got 167 hours to come back and take that crown from Aiden. So I'm actually buoyed by the opportunity that's before me. What's in the past is in the past. We're on to Cincinnati. Um, Halman, do you feel like we did witness a bit of a heel turn here? Like Aiden is, is like, there's a bit of like an, like a kind of Anakin, you know, joining the Sith type vibe here, I think. Yeah, I feel betrayed. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brandon, um, I mean, do you blame your internet for prohibiting you from, from almost, almost prohibiting you from witnessing the incredible drama that unfolded here tonight? No, I, it was, it was pretty good drama. I mean, Aiden, you pulled out the victory, even though I disagree with you. 
I mean, I was hoping to get a few more points just so, you know, just because my internet actually was working tonight. I, I, I overcame a lot of internet issues to, uh, to be on tonight. So I was, I was hoping a RJ would give me a few extra points. You, you know what? I'm, I'm an objective judge, Brandon. I mean, I don't just hand out points willy nilly. I mean, like the crowd, the crowd gave Aiden more points than almost I gave all of you. So if you guys have a beef, it's with the BTB audience. They were team Aiden from the jump. Um, Tony, um, you have sent us home with a random noise in the past. Um, I'm going to ask you to do it now. I would like you to make a noise that no human being has ever heard that lasts for at least three seconds. Cause you've done some very kind of like honky, you know, momentary quick hit sort of things. So we need a noise. We're going to sign off immediately afterwards that lasts for at least three seconds, not a word, a noise, Tony Catalina, the floor is yours. That was so lame. Oh my gosh! No, no. Aiden, please say something cool because that was so lame. That was so. Tony, you you automatically lose the next five round tables. I mean, like that was so bad. What do you want me to do? You know, um, Aiden, just say anything so we can leave, please. Let's get out of here. Um. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.